meeting it's called a meeting to order um and let's see um, yeah i've got a email this for us thank you um Thank you. Good evening, everyone. I'm Robert Steinbrock, the liaison for the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board for this March meeting. We want to remind the people on Zoom meeting that uh, the meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is supposed to be disabled. Um, all chats will go directly to me. Uh, the meeting host, unless you are participating during this meeting, please turn off your video. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on the screen. You'll still be able to hear the meeting when you are participating. Please turn on your video. If you have any trouble, please send a message in the chat and we'll try to figure it out for you. The city reserves the right to mute people or individuals videos off uh, to the off screen of minimizing distractions during the meetings. Um, also a note on public comment. When it comes from public comment, individuals attending in person should approach this area or just raise your hand. We'll get you up here uh, to indicate you wish to speak. And then uh, we'll get you speaking and then we'll go to the Zoom. If you do the raise hand function, uh, we'll get you settled and called on by name. And then you can turn on your video and then present your comments. Uh, please state your name before speaking. All comments are limited to three minutes during public comment. And so I'll turn it back over to the chair, John Navanius. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. Okay, so the first item on the agenda is to approve minutes. We have two sets of minutes, and let's approve them separately. So by January 9th, uh, meeting minutes, is there a motion to approve? I will make a motion to approve the January minutes. Is there a second? Second, Marilyn Hall, board member. Okay, it's been moved and seconded to approve the January 9th uh, minutes. Um, are there any comments? Um, all in favor, uh, raise your hand or indicate with a yell or scream. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Um, any opposed? Okay. How about a how about a uh, how about a motion for the February thirteenth minutes? I will make a motion to approve February thirteenth minutes. Very reliable. It's been moved and seconded. Yeah, second, thank you. To approve the advisory board minutes of February thirteenth. Um, all in favor, say aye or raise your hand. Everybody opposed? Okay. So next item is public comment. And I think we have one person. I do have one. I need more. All right. Yep. Name is James Grayson. I am a baseball coach slash uh, dad and member of the community. I start off with, why not baseball? I started off every single time. One, I want to say thanks for the work that's been done. Um, from the list I gave last year, a good majority have been done. So that's a great start. Now we just got to maintain it throughout the season and let's not get it back to where it was. Um, there's still a couple little safety things. The, the mounds at Holcomb need to be addressed. Um, 
there's still big potholes and stuff. If we can make them look like YSC, I'll be a happy guy. Those look absolutely fantastic and look exactly the way they should be. So I think that we took care of the fence, which is awesome because if we have a pass ball now, fans are not getting hurt. So that's good. We, we did some good. Um, one that has been brought up by a lot of people is a rental of the field. We have now for a second, if we decide to have a second practice, we pay $27 for a field or $37 if we want lights. I that prices go up. I get it. Um, but that being said, why will the weekend field not be dressed? If I pay $27 for the week, and I know that it was dressed during the week, I would expect to pay the same amount of money on a weekend and have it dressed. I don't think I should show up and flip a coin to find out if the field's usable. If I pay the money, I want the field. So, however, somebody needs to go out there and give a thumbs up, thumbs down, or however, or it should not be the same price as getting it during the week when it's dressed. So the person that, that's going to be out there that we, I like a better term, I call security. I noticed that um, the thing that was sent out was um, we are not going to do AEDs again. I still think that's a bad mistake. Clearly, after what's happened in the last couple months, that's the deal. The person that's out there, I know that they said there's no training or whatever, but the person that's out there that's representing Parks and Rec can be trained on it. Like, do we know, are they trained by CPR? Do they have basic health? I don't know. Luckily, multiple parents on my team are, and a couple of them are doctors, so I'm not worried about my team, but what about the rest? Um, it, and then there it says that we just need to call the police department or whatever, or the ambulance. Well, if they take five minutes, five minutes can be too long. Like, it's, yeah, so the other one is when they're there, they need to be there every single time. They need to introduce themselves to the coaches, introduce themselves to the umpires and let us know that they're walking around. Still to this day, there's multiple coaches that have never heard that a representative from Parks and Rec is actually out there. So that email needs to go out and we all need to know that a representative is at every single game. Baseball's in bad shape. We've had multiple teams leave for Kansas City or Topeka or become tournament teams, which means that we have less competition and it's just killing it. And part of it is because of all the stuff I've been bringing up for the last year. Um, a couple of other ones, I don't understand why kickball gets to use the baseball fields when we have the Lions, Hobbs, Holcomb North, uh, the two softball. Why are they using, why are we pulling mounds off the baseball field so kickball can use it? I just think that's a little strange when there's other places. Um, and then, yeah. I got one last one. We sent out, or not we, I got an email from Dick's Sporting Goods for a 20% off coupon. Right. Okay. That 20% for coupon, we got nothing out of. We got we did the work for them and we got nothing in return. If I was a company and I put out a mailer, mailers are worth money. We should have got five percent of that coupon, and the government should have or the general public should have got 15. We talk about money all the time, money all the time. We just did them a huge freebie. That's money we just threw away. So that needs to get better as well. Yeah, and I'll for another long list. Would you, um, why don't you write something up? 
So here's the thing. Can I continue this a little bit longer? If I write up the list, I did a large presentation that lasted 45 minutes or an hour or something like that uh, months ago. The general public doesn't get that. So the people who actually do the voting and different things don't get to hear what I say. So I did a 45 minute presentation with like 20 slides. And the only people that seen it are some people sitting at this table. And I don't think that's that's right. Okay. Because the complaints are getting out there. And the people that really matter are the ones that are sitting on here that listen and hopefully join me here and continue this process. Yeah, except these are the guys who take care of it. Okay. I understand. So one thing you can do, James, similar to what the city commission does, sometimes if you have a lot of comments, a lot of things, do a written response and send it in as public comment, and then we can post it. That way, everybody on the board, if you know, if you start getting tight on time, can read everything that you've got to okay. to. Okay. So you can do both. Just well, do that do that presentation. Okay. Okay. And then I can, with slide one, we can share it. I would, I would give it to the board. Not necessarily you wouldn't be able to present it. Okay. It should be provided to them. Perfect. Okay. So uh, let's move now to the regular agenda. And uh, we need to switch out item two and item one because we lose. The order there, but Larry Granning is we need a, a motion to do that. Okay. I motion to number two, the winter emergency shelter and the health community reports. Okay, there is a second. Marilyn Hall second. Okay. It's probably on there. Okay, it's been moved and seconded. <laughs> To uh, switch. Um, all those in favor, raise your hand or otherwise indicate. Any opposition? Okay, let's do that. So, Mitch. First of all, thank you. Uh, yeah, Mitch Young, Parks and Recreation. Um, I also have the dotted line uh, position with PDS, which you're all aware of. I'd like to say that we had another successful year at the Winter Mercy Shelter. Uh, we did uh, 3,900 stays, uh, about 187 volunteers, and about a little less than 1,000 hours on that. So um, there was a big impact in our community. Um, we, as you all are aware, are different from last year, we did a consecutive 101 nights instead of doing anything below a certain temperature. Um, I don't really have a lot to report except as we had a great success and the building is returned and the condition we found it. So, uh, well, PBS would like to thank Derek and Roger for their support um, of the program. Um, Roger put in a lot of time on different things and Derek volunteered, um, but we did have that. Um, we don't plan on being there next year. We don't plan on being there next year. I think this is our final year as a community building. Good that page, very possible. I'm sure you read in the paper. Uh, we partnered with LCA, um, and tonight will be their first night. So they they that building was established for 125 beds, and there's 125 beds in there today. Okay, so you guys are helping out. Yes, yes, um, yeah, we had. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we have to support different departments, Park and Rec, of course, uh, MSO um, pulled together last week and we went out and, and made it possible to get to get that. They haven't been at that capacity in a long time. A lot of business were in storage. Um, you know, we had to do a little privacy issues, things like that. 
Uh, they're going to run their program a little different than we did. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be about the same. We took the, the site boxes were gone this morning. I, I, uh, we closed our program at 7 this morning, and at 7.05, the truck driver was there ready to move. So <laughs> it was a little ahead of schedule, but we got to move. And, uh, but I'd be more than happy to answer any questions that anybody has on the Winter Mercy Shelter. If there's no questions on the WS, can you, since you're involved somewhat in the campsite and the pallet? And so, uh, yeah, so the support site, which is in North Lawrence, um, we recently uh, brought in one of the support trainers that we had at Camp Woody. That was purchased with CARES funds. Uh, we currently have it set up. Is it tied into infrastructure? No. We're having to um, have a honey truck come every two or three days to, to uh, pump that pump that trailer out. But for the most part, um, um, we, we're seeing some good usage out of it. We're seeing some good usage out of it. Um, we have people that were at winter with shelter saying they're not going to go to Lawrence Community Shelter tonight, which is just choice. Everybody has a choice in life. So uh, that we did have four people today that got tents at, at a sports site. Um, we're going to stay at the one location. There was two. There was two up there. There was an upper and lower. We're going to stay in the lower. And if that fills up, then we'll have to address it from there. But at this point, we're sticking with those 50, 51 sites there at the bottom. And there's some people or couples, you know. So sometimes there's more people, but the tents. The tents. And then, of course, um, you although read in paper about the pallets, um, we are moving forward with that and location unknown at this point, but um, we're putting together a plan, a plan with the pallets as well. And that's where possibly these trailers will go. Then that's when the support site um, uh, will possibly close down when we get the pallets open. So, of the options there as well. We have the two trailers and we have the laundry trailer. There's a lot of misconception that laundry is in each one of those trailers and it's not. We can't bring the laundry trailer over there. There's just not enough infrastructure to do it. And, and there's men are offered laundry um, and so does LCS. So there are some laundry options. And there's a very nice woman, uh, Kathy, that volunteers over North Lawrence that brings in um, or picks up laundry almost every night. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of volunteers over there as well. So. So we haven't quite got it staffed 24-7. We're close um, with some of the staff that we had here at the CD, which were Park and Rec employees, um, part-time employees. They've expressed uh, interest. So um, starting tonight, we have some of the CD staff working over there as well. Questions? Comments? Is Parks and Rec underwriting those salaries? No. Parks and Rec staff people. Yeah, that's all paid by people, uh, planning developmental services, going to the housing, housing initiative division. So, so yeah, when we do payroll, they have 20 hours with Park and Rec and 10 hours with BDS. Jackie Becker, do you, I know you said you hope to not have it next year. So, that's the city taking a lead and saying we don't want to use the community building. Don't need housing. to use no community buildings in, in a perfect okay. world. The expansion of LCS without housing, I believe, maybe another campsite by the application. Should yeah. possibly, if they have a follow on, they talked about June being the end of this campsite if they have a pallet village. And yeah, if everything's in place at this point, we're not closing the support site, it's, it's when other options become available. Another option's 
I guess I'm just one way open. You said had a great, you know, experience, and and I just wonder how how do you define that? You know, what what made it feel better? Well, we didn't lose anybody. Yeah. Okay. That was sad right there. Nobody broke it out. Unfortunately, we had one gentleman who was not at the winter emergency shelter, but he he lost a few toes from frostbite. And we had other another gentleman that spent a couple nights in the hospital trying to get over frostbite, but he didn't lose any toes or fingers. So that that's a success. And people and it sounds like people there considered it a success too. I believe so. Um, we got we got a nice car. I was we uh, last night Cicely, who's one of my partners. Uh, co-workers um we got a nice card from a woman that she said thanked us she said you know didn't want to be here but i was glad it was available as an option to me you know who would have thought that parks and rec would be the one you know you know to be so so important in this whole thing and um you know your flexibility and in, in going beyond established boundaries to to, to deal with the problems that need to be solved rather than maintaining boundaries. One team, one city. Really appreciate it. I, I would say it's the leadership of the city commission. Parks and Rec was heavily involved. MSO and PDS. PDS became more so as they took on the housing initiatives. Um, but we felt more of the stress than maybe some of the other departments uh, just trying to do everything we're trying to do and yeah. take a facility like a community yeah. building that would have been light use as a recreation center to heavy use for 24 hours. And so we would have redone that. We'll be working on the court starting uh, this week and getting refinished and getting ready for spring. Um, but that facility has seen heavy use. Like it hadn't seen, <laughs> I would say even more so than last year because we did the temperatures where the yeah. uh, we did it every night. And so volunteered Saturday night and I'm just looking at how many people are utilizing that facility and using the restrooms, whereas, you know, in a basketball game or something, maybe mm -hmm. two or three light uses uh, versus heavy use. Yeah. You know, my, uh, putting on my academic hat here, I think what would really, really be interesting is if you ask the people who had work exposure, what'd you learn? What'd you learn about yourself? What'd you learn about homelessness? And if we could compile that into a little diary thing and then publish it on the your your uh, professional you know parts and rec association website i think it'd be really cool anyway yeah it sounds like a good hot wash item for the homeless initiatives team to follow up on i'll accept it there you go. Well, thank you very much you're welcome you're welcome thank you all thank you uh, next, we have uh, Dan Partridge, who is the director of the Lawrence Douglas County Health Department. And um, I, you know, when you when you think about Parks and Rec and you think about public health, it just seems so logical, right? And yet, structurally. There, there, we're here, you know. So um, let's hear from Dan. Uh, maybe at some point think about connections, formal connections we might be able to make. 
Thank you, John. You know, listening to the previous conversation, I can't help but think of a definition of what public health is that I it's always strongly resonated with me. And that is that public health is what we as a society do to assure that conditions exist for all to be healthy. And we just heard a fantastic story about what your staff have done to help assure that people can be healthy in this community. So you're very much a public health partner. And Roger reminded me one of the very first partners that we reached out to after COVID on our doorstep was Parks and Rec to say, well, here are things we're asking you to close. And, and uh, there was a time in there where we, there were daily calls going on, sometimes more than one. So um, very much appreciate the solidarity and public health that you guys have, have done for us. Um, just do this. Then let's see here. Thank you. Maybe I'll hit the forward. No. I'm not sure what I did. <laughs> um, so let me start with a couple of commercials on more so this kind of public health department's all about. We've recently adopted a new vision and mission statement, and so you have them there. You also have a, a new logo for us, part of our branding campaign of uh, probably three or four years ago now. Our new vision is uh, leading change to advance health for all. That speaks to a couple of concepts. Number one, it's around health equity and the, the bullseye that we have around our work around that it's about achieving health equity. And uh, I see in the commitments for the Lawrence strategic plan that, that equity is among them. Um, so that's one connection. I think as we walk through some of the data I'll present, I think all of this connects to many of the outcomes of the strategic plan for the city of Lawrence. There, there are multiple, multiple uh, connections to the work of not just Parks and Rec, but the city of Lawrence in your strategic plan. And then our mission, of course, is creating abundant and equitable opportunities for good health. And I want to start with a little primer on what public health science would say, what is the work of advancing health for all? And this logo um, kind of, I don't know what it evokes for people, but we chose it in part because those arcs represent ripples in a pond. When we throw a rock in a pond, we create ripples that reach out and, and you know, they continue on and they intersect with others. And um, that to us evokes that interconnected nature, not only of what health means for people, but how the work of health happens in our communities. And so these foundations of health that we used to call social determinants of health, but public marketing people have said, oh, don't use that word, use foundations of health. Um, there are really four. Um, a couple that are very, uh, probably the, where the most of the uh, effect happens, and that's around social and economic status. And um, what is that? That's the social connectedness that we uh, enjoy or don't enjoy, the family support that we have, the, the, the job status that we have, our income, our education, you know, what's our social and economic place in our society. And um, the more that you have, the more access to better health that you have. And the less advantages or privileges that you have, 
the, the harder it is to achieve good health. So that's, that's the very first um, foundation of health. The second would be health behaviors. You know, there's two facets of what drives health are the community that we live in and how it influences our behaviors and then the behaviors that we have. And so some examples of health behaviors that we try to work on, diet and exercise, tobacco use, alcohol use, risky sex, those are listed in part because those are things that we are concretely and specifically working on at the public health department, but there are, of course, many, many other behaviors that influence health along the way. Those two there represent probably 75, 80% of what determines your health outcome. There are a couple of others. Healthcare, that's do you have health insurance? Do you have access to quality care? Do you have access to behavioral health care? And, you know, uh, there's been so much work done in this community around destigmatizing mental illness, behavioral health, and connecting, you know, so that when a person goes to see a healthcare provider, they, by extension, are getting linked to and connected to mental health, behavioral health resources and providers. And then the last one is our physical environment, and that's another place where Parks and Rec comes into play. The green space that we're looking out the windows at, that's an example of how our physical environment either motivates and, and encourages good physical activity and good behavior and that social connectedness that happens when, uh, you know, you, you gather at the, at the playground equipment on a Sunday morning and um, other things. And then having a walkable neighborhood, you know, one of our very first uh, initiatives, probably over a decade ago, Marilyn, I, I think of you and when you were at uh, the Community Foundation, we worked to get complete streets uh, adopted as a policy for the city of Lawrence. That's, a, that's an effort to create more walkable neighborhoods, an effort to create places to walk to. Um, and, and then housing, of course, that's, that's what we just heard about. Housing is, is uh, as we'll learn about later, one of the big challenges to, to health in this community. So that's really what we're trying to do when we uh, try to assure that the conditions exist for people to be healthy. And what I wanted to do now, because the ask, the part of the ask I had was tell us about our community. And so I wanted to do that through a tool that all of you can use. And I think this is a uh, just an awesome place. And I don't know that many people know about it. I mean, why would you really? You've got to be a geek to find it. Um, but this is a, uh, a public health website that really connects to every community in the United States of over 50,000. So every city that's of that size or greater is in this dashboard. And so uh, cityhealthdashboard.com is where you'd go. And They've got it broken down. So it is what it says. It isn't the dashboard. So what's one of their dashboards? What are the social and economic factors that exist in communities? And so this is kind of their, their landing page for social and economic factors. And see, they've got about a dozen things there that they're reporting on across the entire country, hundreds of cities. And I picked out a couple that, uh, you know, just if you looked at the overall averages, you'd say, oh, children in poverty, that seems like an important thing to care about. And, oh, look, we're doing well. 
When you see the green check mark, that's the side of the spectrum that's good. And so the triangle it would be the average across the entire database. Uh, and then the bar that you see on each continuum is where Lawrence sits on that. So that's how you read these graphs. Um, so children in poverty were, you know, better than average, looks good. Credit insecurity, better than average, but let's look at those things a little bit uh, deeper. So when you look at credit insecurity, if you click on that in the dashboard, it'll take you to a, 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 a metric-specific page where it'll show you the city based on the census tracts. And what really stands out to me is the average says we're doing okay, credit insecurity, but you look at this and you say, oh, on West Lawrence, we have a score of 9.7. On East Lawrence, or really middle of this town where we are here, 69.7. Then you look at that continuum bar, and the very worst score you can get and the very best score you can get in the entire nation lie right here in Lawrence, a few blocks apart. So that's to me speaks to how we have to really dig into a more granular look at what our city looks like and not just look at our average. Our average would say, uh, move on, credit insecurity, i.e. income security or insecurity, it, it, we're doing okay. No, we have, we have a problem in certain areas. So if you look at children in poverty, you see this very same thing in the very same east-west dichotomy. You see, on average, we're doing well, um, but again, oh, not quite to the far extreme, but uh, in West Lawrence, 2.1 scored, East Lawrence, 46.9, which is almost to the 47. Um, and that's a 20-fold plus difference just across town. So if there's anything I would hope that you take away from this other than how public health is into everything, it's that you have to look at the details and look at neighborhoods and not just the city. So health behaviors was that other big piece that, uh, of those foundations of health that I talked about. And um, digging into uh, really just one here because I wanted to preserve a little time and I have a lot of slides, I'm sorry. Um, so binge drinking, that's one. You look at that and you say, eh, we're not doing so great. And eh, well, we're a college town, let's move on. Um, binge drinking, when you, if you were to look at the city map, it's a problem everywhere. That through students are everywhere in our community. They're not just near campus. But binge drinking happens not just with college kids. When we look at that data, it happens. It's in the 35 year olds, 40 year olds, 45 year olds. Um, I think it is a problem that we should pay more attention to in this community. And then when we look at smoking, there's been a lot of work and a lot of great work. Um, and our smoking rates were better than average. And we we have done a lot of great things, you know, the tobacco-free park. I remember celebrating that a few years ago here. Um, but we still see a two-fold difference in smoking rates from east to west Lawrence. So still work to do. Um, if there's anything, I think, what can Parks and Rec do for East Lawrence? So the foundations of health aren't necessarily health itself. So, but we're saying there are connections. You have social and economic factors working for you. You're going to have 
what odds are you'll have better health? If you've got good health behaviors, odds are you'll have better health. But what is our health? So there's a dashboard on what are our health outcomes. And um, I pulled out probably too many, but I would say frequent mental distress. That's one that we talk about a lot in this community, and we're not doing as well as, as the average of our community or our country. So for good reason, I think we're, we're pointing our, our attention, putting our attention there. Um, frequent physical distress, uh, that's a number where you see relatively well. Uh, either that or the country's in bad shape. It's pretty close to the, the far end of that continuum of people reporting um, 10 or more days of poor physical health in the last 30 days. Um, and But I wanted to also throw out the COVID risk. Not to just say, oh, you know, point the finger at public health, but that was a community response. This community tackled COVID head on and we knocked it out of the park. So thank you, Parks and Brack. Uh, you know, I know it was not easy to follow a lot of the advice, but I very much appreciate, you know, uh, the work you did pushing that plow down the field with us. Um, but I did want to throw out one, I think I've got one here on obesity. Um, overall, you can see we're uh, a fairly, you know, in good shape on the national continuum. But again, we see that east-west difference, not quite as severe as in others. But I pointed out really just to say one more time, we have this east-west dichotomy in, in our health, the foundations of health and our, not, and our health outcomes. And then there's one kind of final, the big litmus test of health, and that's how long are we living? And so that's one of the, the metrics on the dashboard. So what you see there, overall, we're better than average for our community or our nation at 80.3. But you see a difference between West and East Lawrence. And oh, where we saw poor behaviors, poor social economic status, you know, we see lower health expectancy. For me, this is the the proof of the theory or uh, that these things are connected to health and that we need to pay attention to housing and income and job opportunities and recreational activities um, if we're going to move the needle on health. And I wanted to also kind of spend a few minutes on another source of data that you can go to and that's the health equity reports that we put out at the health department so if you go to ldchealth.org you'll you'll see that kind of front and center uh, a link to go to our health equity reports and we've issued two now and our, our commitment is is that every two three year cycle we will we will push out new numbers so we've got two reports under our belt and i just wanted to pulls from some of the data from that report. So this was looking at poverty trends across Douglas County and Lawrence um, by different racial and ethnic uh, populations. And what you see is in 2018 with our first equity report versus 2021 with our second, um, several of these poverty rates are increasing when you look at uh, African-American Black, when you look at Native American, multiracial, you see all of those poverty rates are uh, going up. Uh, there is a bit of good news in our Asian rates and our Hispanic rates are going down, um, but still, 
economic progress, economic security is not equally distributed in our community. And that is probably the most powerful predictor of future health. Um, I threw in homelessness because I know it's so much the new part of your work. Um, and this is from our very first uh, health equity report where we looked at who's using our, our community homeless shelter. And you'll see the blue bar represents the proportion of the population of each of those uh, racial uh, groups. Um, and then the black bar is, you know, who's at the, who's at the shelter? Excuse me, I got that wrong. Black is percent of the population. Blue is showing up to the shelter. So you see overly represented by people of color. One last slide on housing, and that's because, and that's to point out a couple of things. The systemic nature of some of these challenges that we have, they're, they've been baked into our community, our institutions, our systems for decades, and they'll take decades to unravel. These aren't easy things to address because where do you go? Who, who, who can you point to and say, you did this or you can change it? Uh, it's a very diffuse issue, but it has very tangible roots. Um, we look at housing in our uh, city uh, back in the 60s, City of Lawrence, uh, part of the work they did was survey all of the housing stock in the community and say, where's the problem housing? Um, and that's the blue shaded area. So very much a North Lawrence inner, inner city, you know, middle of the city, problem housing area. Concurrent in that same same genre of time, uh, realtors in the in the community had, had this map on the right that says, oh, when a person of color shows up and wants to be shown a house, here's where you show them a house. So we were address, identifying this housing problem and funneling a certain certain portion of our population that looked different from most of us here to those areas. So that intention is still with us today. Um, and it's part of what I think we we have to recognize it and, and commit to peeling back that onion of systemic um, racism. So we showed a slide around um, life expectancy you know, we showed the, the just by geography, but I wanted to also show it by the race and, and ethnicity dimensions as well. So, you know, between our first report and 2021, when we updated the numbers, we increased our life expectancy by almost a year, which really bucked the national trend of lower life expectancy. But it's not 80.7 across our community. You lived in East Lawrence at 75.4. If you live in uh, rural Douglas County, it's 85. You get a 10-year bump just by the place you live. And then if, if that um, newborn infant is a person of color, she can expect or he can expect to live 78 years, seven years less than if they lived out, you know, by where I live. Um, that is up, so there is some good news, but we have a lot of work to do. And, you know, the mission and vision of the health department is really about health equity and the metric that we we most hope to see change over the decades is that this life expectancy number goes to zero across any 
disaggregated way, we split it out. Likewise, with all of the foundations of health and health outcomes, because it starts with moving the needle uh, down upstream with no stage. Did you say that life expectation goes to zero? No, the difference is. Oh, okay. No, that would be a bad goal. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Thank you for if I said that wrong. Um, so real quickly, before I, I go to some of the community health assessment, community health planning work that we're right in the middle of, um, another place you can go to check for progress is our Healthier Together uh, dashboard, and it's ldchealth.org slash healthier together. So those are three sources that I uh, encourage you to, to take a look at somewhere down the line. So as I said, we're in the middle of our community health assessment, community health planning process. It's at every five-year cycle. So we're now on our third iteration of this. So we're wrapping up our third community health assessment and getting ready to do some um, public feedback, you know, soliciting um, opinions from our community on what should our priorities be. And I wanted to take us back, though, to the cycle that we are just leaving. Uh, so five years ago with the community health assessment, part of what we do is we survey our community. So this, this survey is probably about 2,000 people took it uh, five years ago. And we asked them, we, uh, there's a list of about 40 issues like housing and criminal justice and other things. How important is it? How well are we doing? Those are the dimensions that we ask around those 40 issues. And when people thought as important and said that we were doing well, that was a strength. And if they said, this is an important issue and we're not doing well, that would be a weakness or a challenge problem, I guess is why I put it there. So what we did was say, okay, we know that if we just look at the average, we're missing part of the story. So what do we what do we see when we disaggregate those thousand, two thousand samples by race, ethnicity, geography? Pretty much any way we ask a demographic question, we would tear it apart. And then where do we see where do people see the same question differently? I.e., some see it as a strength, others as a problem. And it's to me very telling that there were five questions that that happened in in uh, 2017, that our community has a fair criminal justice system, that people are free from violence and the threat of violence, that people are treated fairly and without discrimination, people experience, not experience hunger, and that healthy food is available and affordable. And I'm going to dig into these first three because I think those are pressing problems that you, you, you listen to any public government conversation or reporting of it, these things are coming up. And what you would see there is, it's pretty clear, at least to me, that people of color see this differently than, than people in the majority do. So what I did for you here was say, okay, let's take a look at those first three questions and say, how did, did things change in five years? And so, in 2017, we have a fair criminal justice system. Baldwin, LeCompton, people making 75,000 or more saw it as a strength. Our, our black and low income people said no, it's a weakness, it's a problem. 
In 2022, you see that no one saw it as a strength. And you see that the list of groups who saw it as a weakness has just grown <laughs> um, greatly. Uh, not just Black and African Americans now, but our Hispanics, our um, you know people without health insurance, um, even some with some college. So it, it has become a wider held view that our criminal justice system needs work. And so my prompting questions for you are because part of what we believe in the health permit is we need to change policy not just at a city commission level, but at every organization. And so as you look at or get asked to weigh in on policies that Parks and Rec has, you know, what are your, you know, what's your lens to say, oh, we're calling police too quickly or we're not calling them quickly enough? Are we being sensitive to the, you know, the, the people we're trying to serve. Um, I know for us at the health department, we've had a big spike of people coming in, acting out, um, threatening people, causing, causing commotion. And it's really caused us to, because I mean, a lot of staff want to just push the panic button and call the police and, and we're trying to say, no, that's, that's not, the first thing we do, you know, what can we do before we get to that point? And that's, that's it's been tough, hard work for us that we're not finished with. And I would imagine because you deal with so many more people than we do, you have your share of stories of people um, that you're wrestling with the question, do I call police or do I try to manage this in a different way? How do I balance safety concerns and for the public, for that person, for me, my staff, you know, the whole gamut. And so I think there are policy questions and I would hope that these are things that are tracked and you're, you're you know, monitoring for, for uh, you know, parks and rec. Dan, I think we need to interrupt. Okay, so I'll, I'll, a few more then. So threats of violence, again, um, one of your policies related to safety, what you see is the same story. Uh, no one saw this as strength, this go around, and a few more people saw it as weakness. Um, treated fairly and without discrimination. Um, actually, somewhat, uh, you could say, a, a little bit of a mixed bag, certainly not the, the, the step backwards of the other two. I talked about we're moving to public meetings. Please, you know, we'll push out to Roger and all of our community partners opportunities to come and weigh in and talk to us about what the issues need to be for our next community health plan. I'll wrap it up there. Thank you, Dan. Uh -huh. Thank you. Really, very thought provoking kinds of things. Questions for Dan or comments on what we've, what we've heard? Very interesting. Yeah. Well done. And I will, if it's okay, I'm going to send out your presentation. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it out to you folks so that so you can. I saw some people writing, and I was like, yeah. oh. Jackie Becker, I do have a question because you were showing the slides and you didn't talk about like healthy foods and things like that. Do you have a slide for that? Or can you quickly expand on 2017 to 2022? Mm -hmm. uh, no, not in this slide deck. I, I was. 
believe it or not, I'm trying to hold it down, but <laughs> uh, foods is one where it's been in our community health plan for two cycles. I imagine it'll continue to stay there, but it's one where we've seen a lot of gains. Um, and um, it's kind of maybe my nature to point at the things where we need more improvement on than where. And certainly go to Healthier Together and you'll see more. I know the space which you're talking about, Jackie, too. <laughs> Let's see. Um, <laughs> who has a hand up? You want me to minimize this? I don't want to get yeah, out. About out there. there. The red bedroom right below that. Yeah, the red bedroom. There you go. Uh, uh, Hi there. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. In about the year 2008, I found myself in the trauma unit at KU. If you're in the trauma unit at KU Med, they uh, come and check your vitals at least every four hours. And I think the same puzzle question again. Nothing <laughs> because under physical environment, you've got walkable neighborhoods, green space and housing, but there's no mention of bikeable neighborhoods. Even the word mentioned once. Um, I can't draw a specific reference to Um, and whether or not I'm just if you have any um, from a budget perspective, but also maintain as much access as possible. Yeah. Around East Lawrence. Takeaways, two takeaways for me from this. Is East Lawrence. And I think that I'm talking about. But there's another issue. The closest we get is health safety. What is it? Safe. 
Yeah. But there is no mention of and I'm going. So anyway, I think part of our responsibility as a board, as there becomes more attention to revising or modifying, is focus more on more on this. If I could jump in there, I would say, but the city most definitely provides opportunities for good health. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. Okay, Dan, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah. And let's open our eyes. Thanks, Dan. Um, okay, next, um, an update on the skateboard park. We're not going to be able to pull yeah. it out. No. Just a second here. Mm -hmm. Switch it back to the lefty. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what you want? Yeah, if you can just pass the mask. The mouth down. What? I said there was Mackenzie Clark was in the waiting room. Okay. Oh, did you want to say there? Pass down the mouse. Or Or meat. Uh, just a really quick update on the um, skating roll and then the vert ramp. So this is the commission agenda item that was last August was put in. So this is not what we're buying. We're buying this ramp. This ramp is on site at our shop. So we anticipate installation going late April, early May. So a contractor will come in and put it out. So this is the, the facility we'll offer. Let me show you where it's at. So this is the current skate park is here. So the road ramp will go here. If you go over there, the concrete pads are already poured. So we're basically ready to go. We're just waiting for the installer to get on site to put it in. So that's one development. The second development is we have a $250,000 CIP item for this year to update the rest of the skate park here. So you can kind of see the outline of, well, this is not quite complete. So this piece, this triangle has already been completed last year. So what the 250,000 do will do is complete this, as well as look at light upgrades and you know, lights over here. So that will be happening. We're going to city commission um, next week, next Tuesday, to request a design build option, which that allows us to hire companies that are specializing in building skate parks, cool. as opposed to us writing specs that do a contractor bids on. So it's, it's a better way to deliver this type of thing. That way we can look at just what have you done with skate parks and, and pick the vendor that way. So that's the update. That project, I'm going to guess, is going to be a full project if we're lucky, because once we figure out who we want to work with, they'll have to do design, we'll have to accept the design, and then we'll have to get into their list of where, when can I be in, in Lawrence, Kansas? So a lot of it will depend because there's not that many contractors. A lot of it depend on where they're at in the United States building other skate parks. So we hope to do it this year and may roll into next year. That's kind of an update. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, I have an update. We'll be on that 
ramps of the G ramps, the company they're in LA this week. Um, and then after they're done with that job, they're coming to Lawrence. Okay. So we should have like an ETA on like exactly when they're going to put the ramp in and probably within, you know, the next week or something like that. Good. Uh, and then Justin told me we've got all the donor bricks and everything. So those are going to go in um, when they're done building the ramp. So yeah, hopefully this should be pretty soon. Great. I have a quick question about Centennial Park. What's the big limestone circle? Up on the corner of Ninth mm -hmm. is a um, disc golf basket location. So different organizations. So we have a disc golf. So you can see here how this. here, but it was getting a little too close to the vert ramp. So the one up at the corner is just an alternate location for one of their baskets. So the group has kind of been doing all that work. We basically supply the materials and then they put the, the things in. But to be honest, that one's kind of lasted too long and hasn't really developed quick enough. So we get quite a few questions, slash comments on what's going on and why isn't it done yet. So you know, I remember when we were talking about the skate park earlier, how we said this would be uh, pretty unusual for our area and so on. And I think we're, I think the more we can make of this, the more it fits with the unmistakable identity yeah. piece, and but really push it that way. I think we can bring attention to it. It will, it will be a regional attraction. Oh, yeah. That that's going to be the only public bird ramp within a 500 mile radius. Um, Sam, what you you obviously are a skater. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you missed his introduction last time. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but it's the only public bird ramp within 500 mile radius. I'm sure there's some private ones around. But I think the closest you can really get to like skating something like that is going up to Des Moines, the new park that they built a couple years back. Um, but yeah, so are there like tournaments or? Um, I mean, like, there's a few bird contests, birds a little bit like, um, not the majority of people skate that because it's pretty intense. Um, but like, there are like contests and stuff like that. Uh, I think probably what we're at least trying to do with the shop and Lawrence Skaters Association is get like a demo, which would just be like some professional skateboarders who uh, skate for ramps like that will come to town and bring in some people from out of town and stuff like that. Or, uh, yeah, so that would probably be kind of a, a bigger attraction than like a contest, but probably more like demos and stuff like that. And I will say um, the safety factor is a big one. We've had discussions on that. But yeah. You have to wear helmets. It's unmonitored. Yeah, we've talked with uh, River Rat Escape Shop and LSA Group. Yeah, we will probably do a helmet event out there when this is in place, like we do for the bicycles and the safety and the fire department. And this is one thing that can really get somebody injured if they're not wearing the proper equipment. They need to do that. So. The good thing is that even though there's stigma with like wearing helmets when you're just skating in regular skate park, I would like 95% of people that skate vert are padded up. So I, I don't think that necessarily would be a problem because most people realize that it's pretty high risk. Uh, so 
I know there's a little bit of concern with that within the skateboarding community in general, but for skating, uh, like bigger transition stuff like this, hopefully that shouldn't be that big of a deal. Thank you, sir. Maybe in the cross section here, you can kind of see what how steep it is. So this obviously is not a beginner ramp, so the kids will probably get broken a little more over on the concrete ramps before they launch into this. But Anyway, I have a question. Sure. So, just making sure with uh, disc golf, it's all copacetic right now, and everything with the part moving and, and whatnot. Is yeah. Just making sure. Meeting last summer. Yeah. We with the combined groups. Okay. Yeah. Great. All right. This one is here. Yeah. So this hasn't happened yet. But here. Here, with so we talked about making that an official tee. It's such an active park, so making sure both it is. Can, yeah, we, can really find each other, find sure space for one another is important. We're not stepping on each other's steps, and I think we came to a pretty good mutual agreement. Awesome, that's good to hear. And then, honestly, in thinking about the strategic plan with biking, skateboard should probably be a part of that too. Do we have skateboard friendly yeah. neighborhoods, like any form of transportation, transportation that isn't just a car. So keep that in mind. I think too. Skateboard lanes. Yeah, I'm all for it. I, I, I plan for yeah, you should. Yeah. Oh, in some of the documents we've talked about, um, a definition of real devices. Yeah. Which stroller, stroller stand or roller blades. <laughs> okay. Here's the term. Uh, I'll probably get in trouble. Mark, you slap my head. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> destination park. And a destination is a place where people mm. come from that. Yes. I want to go to Lawrence, Kansas and go to Centennial Park. And you look at all the user groups, and it's definitely a regional attraction. I go out there to skate ramps and the park more than. Do but you'll find people from Olathe and Oakland mm -hmm. Park and Topeka yeah. and other parts of this area. You know, I heard Lawrence has a great skate park. That group here is a great location off of uh, I-70, and then we have bicycle races that go around that. And so when we get some folks, sometimes they'll ask for other uses in that park, and we're we're almost cramped up too much. Oh, you know, we could have a day of games. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. All kinds of things. Kansas. Is there going to be a grand opening? Or? Yeah, I think what we're trying to do is set something up with some professionals to like do a, a demo, to do demo and a grand opening thing and just have a little event. We're kind of working on that. We got some stuff in motion, but waiting to finalize it. Maybe need some bands. Sing some songs. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have that. This kind of maintenance. So last week's city commission meeting, uh, Jake Baldwin of the MSO and I presented to the city commission on what as the K-10 corridor develops, so basically Iowa over 
four lanes. And then as the exits and entrances into the highway, so the question was what level of participation do we want to have in the Iowa, you know, where we enter off 6th Street, the 27th Street exit down to the sports complexes. Uh, Clinton Parkway is a huge entrance. So yeah, there's two, two options, actually three. One is do zero landscaping. So KDOT is in the road and we don't worry about it. And the extended option was a $4.3 million option that was going to be completely, they do it all. They'll put in brick pavers around the islands, they'll extend the islands, they'll put the trees in, they'll do the planting. And then the option that we, we asked the commission to consider was a $1.3 million option, which basically KDOT would do all the hardscape. So if you go to West 6th Street, you see the islands out there, it comes in, then it has brick nose out here, and then brick around, and then the trees come down the middle. So that's the concept we're going with, like on Iowa Street. So that we want them to build the hardscape, so they do the the curbs, the brick, the extended medians, and then we come in and do the green. So anything we can do, trees, flowers, whatever we want to do, faster, cheaper than they can do. Uh, in this, there's four different roundabouts. There's three on Clinton Parkway, one at over by the sports complex. The exit at 27th Street and Walker Roos is going to be a fairly major entrance for us because it's going right into the park. So you'll come off the highway, you'll go under the highway, and you go directly into the YSC complexes. So we want to make sure we're looking pretty good there. But again, even Walker Roos itself is going to be rebuilt all the way up to Clinton Parkway. So we'll want to have a pretty nice looking entrance from Clinton Parkway coming all the way down into our sports complex. So the city commission approved the $1.3 million concept. So what we need to do is go back into the CIP and put a project in to put the greenscape in because otherwise there'll be no plants out there. But yeah, the roundabouts have to have some type of planning because that's how they're designed so that you don't see through the roundabouts. You basically see your plants and you go around them. Anyway, that's what was approved. So that's pretty infant stages, but we needed to get a dollar figure to KDOT as they finished their design concept. They wanted to know what did we want in the project. Well, you know, we need to look at this conceptually, though. And, you know, I mean, gateways means more to me than landscaping. I mean, when you go, how many cities have you gone to and you, you know, you enter the city and there's there's a percent for art. On the it. art. Yeah. So, so you're getting about ready where we're going to transition. <laughs> that was, that was, let's talk about gateways, Derek. So let's take it. So that was kind of the intro. We've been with with Chase. No, you're you're on track. You're just uh, a little bit ahead of me. So Porter's out with uh, his kid enjoying spring break this week. Uh, I think his daughter's six. And Lindsay uh, joined us today, and uh, her daughter is twelve. I think so. I'll get ahead, not if I'm right or wrong. Oh, and I'm aging her too fast. But um, we've had a little bit when um, John. We're going to get real busy, it sounds like, in April. But that would be part of the concept of what should we be looking at as gateways, probably under the arts piece of this. Going to your point on the 2%, that's something that you know, Porter and I, and I know the commission has had some uh, different commissioners have talked to us about how can we be consistent? What is the ordinance? What's the, or it's not an ordinance, it's a resolution. Porter's been looking at taking 2% of which capital projects. So he started that process and 
it might be three quarters of a million dollars to who knows what helps identify and maybe solidify what that resolution ought to be so we can be more consistent with application. What is a CIP for three quarters of a million dollars? Can we do a, a nice entrance gateway at the east side of Lawrence where uh, SLT and 23rd Street split, which there ought to be something, especially with Panasonic development, and something out where there's going to be the new diamond at six in the SLT, which isn't a bridge new, it's just a diamond. That will be part of the discussion, but I think uh, we're going to get into it really quick. So we could have a, uh, a uh, statue of a skateboarder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MSO, uh, some of the engineers cringe uh, when they hear uh, city of fountains or even water objects. <laughs> yeah. But hey, I kind of like that idea. Let's do something yeah. yeah. different. Yeah. I might be backing a little bit on the landscape planning. Um, I'd love to see us look at um, native plants and do some more water-wise. That really is possible uh, rather than that are going to require a lot of watering and attention and things like that. And we definitely have the resources in this community of professionals who can advise on that sort of thing. So is that possible? Yeah, and that's one of the reasons we kind of wanted to pull it out of KDOT's recommendation. So by doing that, we have a chance to talk about this for a year or two before we implement. So obviously we're in fairly high visibility areas, but it's also highway speed. So when we look at design, we'll look at how do we want to do that. The, the biggest thing is we have to look at traffic patterns, make sure we have visibility so we can't put six foot tall grasses at the corners. Right. But yeah, there, there's a lot of things we can do. We aren't envisioning irrigated, envisioning getting water to the sites so that when we try to establish plants, we have some way to keep But yeah, I, I think we have an opportunity to do a little bit of anything we want to. Okay, great. So um, it's getting kind of late. So let's see if we can move move along. Um, Parks and Rec update. Parks update. Parks update. Yeah, so the mouse again. Roger can tell me. Yeah. Go ahead and key it up, and then I'll go. Okay. What's that? You know, to share. Where do we go? Yeah. Don't hit the red button. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're looking. And what I wanted to do last time we talked about the CIP was in the middle of development. So I wanted to kind of report back what we had talked about. It's kind of giving an overview of what we we're proposing. So this is 2023. So these are projects that are moving now. I highlighted a couple because the sports complex is kind of our key thing going into this year. We're looking at turf and lights out there. But we also have a lot of trail projects that are in the works. 
As we go into 24, this has kind of been a reshuffle of the deck. So what we try to do is not develop too many new projects, but go in and say, okay, is this really 24 project and then update the dollars. So this one, we looked at the sports complex. So we're doing quite a bit with lights and that turf on soccer and football. This one does baseball infields. And this is the continuation of the three, $3 million up here. So that finishes that project. Looking at trying to improve the parking lots. Then I color-coded some of these just so we can kind of see where they go together. But we're looking at these as a couple of park projects, replacing some restrooms and then getting into playgrounds. So we're targeting Dad Perry for next year and also Lions. Restrooms, kind of sad to say, I put these restrooms in when I first got here and they're all starting to fail a little bit. <laughs> Not sure what that's going on with that, but it's been 25 years almost. So they've had a this one is our biggest project that we're going to anticipate in the next four or five years and start to look at the outdoor aquatic center. What do we want to do with it? We honestly pushed this back. It was supposed to happen in 25. But what we want to do is a public engagement next year and then define what we want to do and then start to look at finishing design in 25 and maybe start construction. But the biggest part of construction will be down here in 26. So a lot of this is thinking about what do we want to do I mean, this number could go to $15 million if we dream big and when the city commission thinks that's where we want to go. This one is a fairly conservative number for an aquatic center. So we've looked at some of the newer ones in Kansas City and they're just really amazing, but they have a really amazing price tag too. Yeah. So other highlight items, um, community building, we have a project to enhance the entrance to the building. We really aren't ADA accessible. We're accessible from the back elevator, but we aren't accessible because our staff is at the front door. So people can come in the building, but we can't see them. So it's trying to anticipate fixing that. Um, the rest of these, you know, there's like the, the series of, of trail projects. So we're pushing the Lawrence Loop all the way through. A lot of those come together. South Park Wading Pools one. So this is kind of our splash pad sequencing. So we're looking at trying to get something going here, replace the wading pool, make a splash pad so we wouldn't have staff it, we wouldn't have clean water. It'd just be modernizing the facility. This one, Eagle Bend, it's kind of one that's not a high frills, but it's kind of necessary. We have some spots that hold water and basically affect play. So when we get a heavy rain, we have to close the course sometimes because the water's not draining. And then the driving range is a really bad spot where we have to close it, not use it for you know weeks at a time because the water doesn't drain off of it properly. So it's one of those things that will never get fixed unless we fix it. And it'll just always be that way. And what else highlights? We have a couple of shop projects. So these are hard because they they don't, Help the public much. It's more staff oriented, but like the cemetery and the Memorial Park cemetery shops are not in good shape. Very, very old. They're not ADA accessible. There's a lot of things that we're just going to have to address with them sooner or later. Pushing out here to 27, we start looking at land acquisition and trying to dedicate some money towards that. Then we also start looking at some of the downtown areas, trying to start doing some things down there. The dog park, this is one we kind of just keep rolling along and saying, hey, we really need another dog park and trying to get funding. Um, this is a little bit of a dream indoor turf facility, but both of our soccer groups are kind of pushing on that. And one of them is indicating there may be some private funding that could go towards this. 
So we're going to stick it on here with the you can do it and show us. And you know, there's and there's potential for high dollar sponsors that would put their name on it for 10 years and basically pay for that. That would be great, but we aren't far enough along to buy that concept yet. But we want to leave it as an option because if they truly can't do that, then it'd be a great facility for the city. The spray last Again, targeting splash pads around the city, trying to spread them out a little bit. Uh, John Taylor Park this is a new project. And this is the North Lawrence folks are saying we really need a restroom at John Taylor, and they'd like to update the courts over there. This is a brand new project that MSO just took to multi-mobile task force. This is a crossing at Clinton Parkway where the trail crosses and will be crossing multiple traffics. This is a great separated crossing. That one's a little more futuristic. Green, but it's one that we've stuck on. Now, what's happening here are these are unfunded projects that were on varying CIPs that got left, so we didn't pull them back up. So you can see there's there's was more land acquisition. So a lot of this is pulling projects back up and saying this is ones we want to do. Now something like this where we have the this is the bridge concept that goes the trail that goes around the powerhouse over there that can come back up if there's grants available so just because it's down here doesn't mean it's a dead project it's ones that are going to need some type of additional funding to pull up because this one was seven million and a ten million anyway that's kind of the flow through fast i don't know if you have questions or comments or things you'd like to Further talk about when does the city just uh, finalize the improvements uh, budget? Um, it'll be June ish. So I have to have these submitted now. Then it goes through the scoring system. Okay. And then we kind of get that first here's what it looks like based on the scores because they always have a cut line. So if you're below this many points, you don't get it. And then that goes to the city commission for discussion. Okay. Approval okay. with the budget. Okay. How about we? I was okay. I was going to say it's interesting to see citizen request item, electric street sweeper. That was, yeah, so, that was so one that was funded. Some, it was in it, the it, it was funded approved okay. last year. Okay, there's some of this that may get altered a little bit. Okay, I think I have a question and thought. Um, since obviously we just heard from Dan Partridge, I'm curious as we see these projects get funded, where's the east side? Make sure we always are thinking about that when it comes to equity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, I think that's in North, North Lawrence to East Side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, North Lawrence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No grocery store. No. And maybe I'm on the West Side too much, but I would really like to see a splash pad out there mm -hmm. rather later because we'll have one at Rose Creek, we'll have one at Lions, and then we'll have one at South Park. Yeah, what do we got for the folks on yeah. the West Side of town? There is, we actually have way more parks on the East Side than we do West Side. And honestly, we have a rec center there. We have this path bed over there. So it's, we always think that way first. But we got to always get to the other side too, because we can't just, everything's east. So it's. Yeah, but we probably have more swinging boats on the west side of town than the east side of town. Well, I'm just sort of thinking oh, from a health perspective. Yeah, I just, I, I just now, feel like, now, I think you explained what now. my statement question was. It's yeah. nice when you started the east side. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, I think, in terms of equity and Parks and Rec, that is yeah. the greatest thing yeah. we can give to the community is Parks and Rec always 
Okay, thank you very much. Let's go on to the recreation. Wait a minute. Hold on just a second, Lindsay. Okay. Concerns of the like he missed it. Oh, I'm sorry. I need a pre over concerns, board member items of interest. We have any of those? Nation, uh, as like a group, will request an archaeological survey before uh, dig any water lines or plumbing. And I'm not sure uh, we need to get like a uh, do a do a survey for that, so that that doesn't throw a wrench in the process. You know, so we're not out there trying to do something, and they're like, "Hey, you need to this land first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the, where we're at on that, the environmental assessment has to be done okay. before we can move forward with CDB funds. CDG. Next step, so you're tracking with where we're going. Sounds good. Um, just the information I uh, there's that uh, have been charged with uh, looking at advisory boards and roles, responsibilities, and that kind of thing. So that's in process right now. Okay. Um, I had a question. Um, I spoke about baseball diamonds. Uh, so the fields in the future YSC. Isn't it also happening at Holcomb? Um, I don't know that we've thought that far ahead. Okay. I just want to put in because there's obviously a kickball league. So it's really challenging if we're only put into three spaces and three fields. Mm -hmm. And then I know that on Friday nights, it's been a, like there's been the biggest amount of kickball teams that have been playing on Friday nights also. So, I, you know, maybe keep that in mind that if kickball is proving to be something that Works and still fits in the community plan, that, that gets thought through too. Okay. Uh, I have just, um, Lindsay, you may talk about the parade, but thanks for the invitation uh, to us to be in a float. Um, I was sick. My husband said, Well, what would you ask? <laughs> uh, well, what about a green parks and rec shirt? So I was just wondering, do we sell merch? I think people might like. I know I've seen you guys in goodies and all sorts of yeah, cute things, yeah. but that, that was just throwing it out there as another way we can maybe make numbers. And then I think with the new city brand that's coming, we'll be looking at that uh, mm -hmm. from a city's perspective, more certainly just parts of location. Okay. Yep. Okay, Lindsay, I think it's your turn. <laughs> 
All right, Lindsay Howard, Assistant Director. Uh, I can start with that. So yes, uh, we are participating in the St. Patrick's Day Parade as uh, a department. And so we will be out there on Friday. And if any of you uh, board members would like to join us, just let me know. Uh, we're gonna have two floats, which is the same that we did last year. Um, and I know a, a few of our commissioners will be joining us. And then in the second float, we're gonna have our spring break camp kids. And then we're also going to be handing out 1,000 tree seedlings this year. So last year we had 500 and I think we ran out after the first block. And so we've uh, doubled the amount. We're going to try to space it out a little bit better, but um, I know those were a huge hit and it was really fun for staff to hand those out. So we will be there. And um, yeah, again, if, if anybody wants to join us, please let me know. We'd be happy to have you. I think it's going to be a little chilly this year. I'm not sure. So uh, it looks like we're going to be in coats, <laughs> um, unfortunately, but we will be there. Uh, a few other things I just wanted to mention. Uh, Roger has been doing a great job of keeping us updated on our enrollment numbers each month. And and uh, I kind of wanted to continue to share that with the board um, as we get those in. So for February, our enrollments were up quite a bit compared to last year. So in 2022, at this time, we had 1,168 enrollments. And this year, uh, at the same time, we have 2,335. Um, and so just looking at revenue, again, which is you know, going to be uh, very important to us this year, uh, we were at about 151,000 last year, and this year we're already at, at 242,000. So uh, we're looking really good. We're feeling great about our uh, enrollment and participation. And uh, so anyway, that's going really well. And thank you, Roger, for providing us with those updates. Uh, I also wanted to talk about sponsorships. Um, we, as I mentioned last month, we are doing, we have a staff task force that we created and we're going to be meeting monthly. And so we've already had two meetings and this group is just on a roll and really excited. And we have a lot of ideas. And so we're, we're all going in 10 different directions and uh, trying to do what we can to get some, some things moving. But we have already updated uh, our um, registration form um, and the pricing for field banners. And we already have some sponsors interested. And so we're getting them lined up. So you'll see new banners on our fields this summer. Um, and well, spring, actually, I, I think we're going to have some uh, here pretty we're getting ready to update the Eagle Bend Golf Course uh, sponsorship opportunities, which we had done in the past for whole sponsors and the scorecards and things like that. So we're we're getting that um, all of those comments. And uh, we'll be getting those passed out and, and hopefully securing some new sponsors for that as well. Uh, I also wanted to, um, just in response to Mr. Greeson earlier during public comment, mentioned um, that he got a coupon from Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, we actually do have a sponsorship through Dick's. And so we have secured that. We have an agreement with them. We do get cash and kind uh, uh, donations. From days and coupons for our participants. So I did just want to clarify that um, we're definitely not just doing free promotions for them. They are a sponsor and a, a partner with us. And so we'll be continuing to do that and build on that as we go um, through the year. And that is all I have. Unless anybody has any questions. 
Uh, Lindsay, I just uh, want to commend who's ever, who is ever using their imagination to come up with the classes that are being offered. I, I just, you know, I, I, I love to go down and look, see the different classes. And, Oh my gosh. And, and credit to Lindsay's staff and the uh, the young programmers and the new body, the recreational experts and professionals that have the creative minds. I'm thinking of Landon Knoll and Molly and Justin Deaver. And we've got some great people at the lowest levels that are oh, good. really excited to do great things. Well, it's it paying off, I guess, but you can, I'd love to see the variety. It's just amazing. Thank you. I will be sure and pass that on. Yeah, we do have a great staff. I appreciate hearing that. Thank you. And I just want to add two things. One, I've been in LaBlast Splash this the session, the funnest class. If you want to do water rubbing. Um, but also, as a member of the Cats Parade Committee, thanks for being in the parade, but also there's a big put your mind floats to save some of your for Nord Lawrence. Oh. <laughs> we do have a plan. We actually have talked about that. We exit at yeah. 6th Street, uh, okay. but we do, we're going to have um, a couple of our guys are going to have uh, some gators driving, kind of carrying the trees. And so we already have a fridge and they will hit the other side. So um, yeah, we, we already have been requested to do that and have a plan. Excellent. Thank you. Any other um, comments, uh, questions? Okay, let's move on to um, cultural arts and events update. Yeah. Anything? He did not. Okay. okay. I, I, he did. I don't have any report. Okay. Okay. I, yeah, I, can, <laughs> I do have some things that kind of go into the sum of that. And, and Mark Mandis, Rock Chalk Jayhawks, we're here. Uh, we've been meeting with KU, um, with large groups of staff, small groups of staff as we prepare for the championship parade, April 8th, and it will be in the afternoon and they're looking at deconflicting. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. We are just purely in the planning what if. <laughs> but we have to be big. You know, we're number one seed and you gotta manifest it. out of it, but what do we do the plan? And so last year, looking at what we did, we did the final four downtown. And we were doing bouncy houses and street events and with uh, and then uh, next week the what ifs and plans on just some rough sketches with uh, I think Michael Logan is, is heading up. Get to that far. What do we do? How do we plan street events uh, so we can be ahead of the ball game? Um, we had a public meeting with uh, the group on Water Tower Park. I don't know if you want to 
it's got that or I can a little bit. I thought it would, we had 30 some people, I think. It's a great turnout. Um, it's some great ideas and there'll be some more meetings coming, but uh, we're excited about uh, getting some stuff up there and every neighborhood is uh, unique. Yeah. Said so about input for what will be in the park. The amenities in the park. Right. Yes. Because it's been decided. Can't do much with the water. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's uh, somebody had mentioned yes, random come. You know, can we get part of the water tower? I have no idea. Mm. Um, I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, I'm very <laughs> But we'll see. Uh, yeah. Good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get part of the old Kansas City Airport, part of the old water. <laughs> but I, I, I was really uh, impressed by how well that meeting went. And it's nice to listen to the, the folks live up in the Hillcrest and the uh, West Hills neighborhood and uh, see that it, we had a great representation there. Um, Grover Barn, a quick update on talking with Watkins. Um, we had some structural concerns that were identified and uh, our MSO is getting that fixed. So hopefully into April, Grover Barn be open to the public again. I know the uh, Guardians of Grover Barn have some events scheduled for the Underground Railroad. So excited to get that going again. Um, North Lawrence Improvement Association, Ted Boyle. Um, I haven't shared out survey and I can share out the survey. I've talked to Ted a few times and suggested why don't you come and, and talk to the board? Possibly in May, I need to hear from them. We hear a lot of the requests for uh, John Taylor Park, Lions Park concerns in, in those parks. Um, and he has also emailed some of the surveys. It was a different survey, I think, in some respects, all the city commissioners. So at some point, if you want me to send it out, I can send it out and then if we can get them on the schedule for a later um, advisory board discussion, we can do that. Um, uh, the comp plan I'd mentioned, it is on the city commission, I'm pretty sure on March 21st, so we'll, we'll have that finally approved. Uh, uh has sent some information today. They are ready and wanting to get rolling. Um, our next advisory board meeting is April 10th, I think. Um, they're wanting to do in-person meetings with stakeholders April 10th to 12th. I don't know what that's going to look like. They, they consult consultant for the park direction for the parks and rec right. plan. Right. right. So we're waiting for the uh, and final thrill arts too. That's okay. coming up as well. So we did some revisions. We wanted to make sure that the uh, the arts piece was well represented. They uh, expanded the scope. They've got a, somebody with expertise on there. So this will be a really cool plan. One of the things. I can just hop in here. When we did the last time, Marilyn, I think you were part of that plan. Um, we had several meetings with, like, I think we had 17, if I remember correctly, 17 meetings with different individuals from different stakeholder groups. So each one of the advisory board members would be at a meeting, you know, at, through whatever fits their schedule. I don't know what they're going to plan on doing or not. That's one of the discussions we're going to have to have going forward. I know Porter is going to be probably the lead from that side of things. Um, so, uh, but yeah, be looking for providing input. You will have input into the plan. As a, as a stakeholder. And is that replacing the master plan? Okay. Yeah, it'd be a, a brand new master plan incorporating arts and culture. Um, a lot of data. I think you've been through 
the last one I have not, um, and I'm looking at the request. We've got a lot of data that, that gathers. So next week after spring break, we'll get our first meeting together as staff, start collecting the data they're requesting. Some of the stakeholders that they mentioned, uh, city staff, members of the commission, advisory board, North Cultural Arts Commission, the Arctic community, particularly invested in the city. So I don't even know how they can do that many interviews, but if you block your calendar, kind of keep some time open on that April 10th through 12th, and I'll see if uh, what it what he's looking for, or they're looking for, I should say, on consultations and interviews. Um, but they have a huge list of stakeholders, so I'm I'm excited to go over this, and then uh, they'll be looking for uh, thoughts, concerns, and um, on the community. So more to follow. I think there's anything else. Eric, I would love for the advisory board to have an outline of what their process is going to look like. Instead of us just being called one little piece, like what is the overall process? And literally, I just got this and I had questions for him going, okay, so how do you get a steering committee? You get do you grab the data and then do you request? I don't know. You know, you know, um during two, it's it's a little confusing for me when I when I look at the strategic plan and the unmistakable identity and then go down from the progress indicators to the strategies, the strategies are all, so many of them are parks and rec strategies that involve, they involve parks and rec. So when we think about a comprehensive plan, we might, I don't know, but we might want to keep in mind, like some of these strategies, these are, these are, this is the city's comprehensive plan, right? So here's a strategy. Uh, Margaret Lawrence as a destination for parks and rec, as well as community and cultural events. N another one, enhance parks and park amenities and recreation opportunities to meet the need of a growing city. Invest in green infrastructure, blah, 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 blah. blah. Go down to uh, KPIs or UIs four, five, and six, and does that touch more into the arts and culture? Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's interesting the balance, and I, and I think I take your point is very valid, and that needs to be revised on the strategies. When we look at our you, which is um, how satisfied are you with arts and recreation system? So how do I tie? Uh, somebody that is servicing our parks and, and emptying and collecting the uh, trash every day. How do they tie to the strategic plan? And so that's one of the KPIs. I think we need to broaden that down a little more. At the same time, to your point on marketing warrants, yes, we need to work as, as an arts destination too. So that's it. Well, I'm just thinking, I mean, if we do the, you know, thinking comprehensive, um, it would help if we were sensitive to some of these um, some of these strategies that have already been identified. Do we have their presentation that they presented to us that we could send out to the board members of PDM? Just so they kind of, to Marilyn's point, be scope of. Yeah. And then the RFP too. We yeah, we can send out that stuff to you yeah. folks so you'll have that. Yeah, that we can get out. That's a good point. Because that was all on, say, commission meeting. I'm out. 
send it Wednesday once I collect it from everybody, if that's okay. Otherwise, Derek can send it to you if you're together tomorrow. And you remember too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ping me and I'll remember. To your point too, we do meetings with the uh, mistake identity group for reviewing the um, key performance indicators and all that every other Thursday. It was supposed to be this March 17th. We pushed it to next Thursday. If you would like to come, I'd love to have your input. And that would be a, a good discussion item. Um, we go to the city commission again, probably about the first week of May, I'm thinking, provide an update. And that's where I'm thinking too, just um, kind of brainstorming. Uh, that might be a good meeting for the city commission. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, in the past, done with uh, the other folks that gone presented to the city commission. Up Kansas City, well, it's out in Florida, or, but they have an office in Kansas City. Yeah, we're dealing with North Kansas City. Then Younger and Rose is also involved. It's their national. In Indianapolis. And then um, the artist, I'm not for sure where she's at. Design local. I say she's out of Ohio, maybe. Yeah, she's done, I think so. I think you're right. Amanda Golden is the uh, consultant on the team for the arts. Any questions? This is Val Renault, and this is kind of a snide thing to say, but during all of the school board stuff, I kept thinking, where's unmistakably Moritz in this? You know, I kept thinking of how we talk about it in here, but when they're talking about closing schools, I, I know, you know, there's money, but, but again, it comes back to neighborhoods. And you know, kids being able to walk. So I don't know. Well, the bigger issue is is the city involved at all in those discussions? Right. And I don't. It doesn't seem that they are. They're separate. So yeah. that doesn't really belong here. But I I just right. kept trying to find a frame for that when I was trying to write a letter to the school board. You know, find well, a frame from here. The empty schools are going to make new community are going to be new community centers. Well, that'll be good. Are you making that up? Or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. Wait, <laughs> we're still paying for the renovation. We got a thing about renovation. You know, we might as well be. Okay. Anything else? Uh, okay. Let's have a motion to adjourn then. Marilyn Hall, I move we adjourn. Jackie back on second. Okay. Moved and seconded to adjourn. Any, any, um, all those in favor? Raise your hand. Opposed? Okay, thank you. See you all next time. Oh, thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.